Welcome to the Mount Hammer podcast. It's episode 49. We're almost at episode 50, Al. 50? 50. 50. 50 episodes. We should probably do something special. I think I've asked for a cake <laughs> before and we've never had one, so I'm going to ask for a cake now. Someone send us a, a happy 50th podcast cake for next week, please. I it's like, only fi- what the fuck was that? I don't know. Is that a card? I think it's someone that going, I'll send you a cake. <laughs> I don't know if I just got picked up. Some weird little... I don't know. We brought in sound effects now, apparently. Oh, my word. The latest issue of Metal Hammer. No, no, it's fine. Fuck it. We're going through. We're not starting again. No. We're doing this. Um, The latest issue of Metal Hammer is out right now. It's our massive 2019 preview of the year. Brand new interviews with Killswitch Engage, Venom Prison, Megadeth. Uh, We try and suss out where the new Slipknot album's at. We try and suss out what the hell's going on with Tool. Um, we go into Game of Thrones and Avengers, the gigs you need to know about, the albums you need to know about, and we've got a world exclusive interview with Mr. Ozzy Osbourne ahead of his final in big in the air quotes. No more tours to. No more tours, tours. No more tours to tour. Yeah. Said that right, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. So big uh, emotional interview with Ozzy it's really um, good. as he starts to wind down his career, courtesy of the Metal Hammer legend that is Dom Lawson. Um, possibly as this has gone on air or just afterwards we would have unleashed our brand new Ozzy Osbourne bundles as well we've got some awesome signed shit in there um, you're going to want them if you are an Ozzy fan of any level and as you know these bundles don't hang around so the seconds they are up there uh, keep an eye on metalhammer.com um, because once they're gone they are gone forever I think we're only going to have about 300 of them uh, so yeah keep your eyes glued to the website to see what they are because they're wicked and you're going to want, want one I want one well, you can't have one, Elle, because they are reserved for the good people that read our magazine. Oh. <laughs> Gutted. Um, no cake. No, no Aussie bundle. No cake. No this Aussie bundle bullshit. for us. None at all. Uh, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get cake. Who knows? What's going on? What's been happening? Metallica have launched a bit. Yes. It's about time, I think. Yeah, everyone else has launched a bit, haven't I they? Iron Maiden. Mastodon. Amonomath. Uh, Clutch put out a beer, I think. It's kind of the thing to do. And now the yeah. biggest metal band of all time, trademark, uh, have a beer out. And I've tried it. Have you? <laughs> Go on, give us a review. Well, yeah, Enter Night Pilsner, it's called. Um, and uh, obviously follows in the footsteps of, uh, they did it, they've done a whiskey as well, Blackened Whiskey, which I think I've got as well, somewhere in the office. I've got to hope no one's nicked that. I'll never find out later, doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, uh, we got a little taster of these um, at the end of last year. And... I can reveal that it's actually pretty good. Mm. Genuinely, hand on heart, is actually pretty good. I'm far from a quote-unquote beer guy um, in terms of... I mean, I like beer, but I'm not, like, a beer snob. I don't go to specialist So you have to give us some tasting and... notes here. I feel like well, you have to give us some tasting notes. Uh, it tastes like kind of decent, um, slightly strong beer. It tastes kind of like a bit like some of a couple of brew dogs beers, I thought. Okay, yeah. So that's about that's about as far into beer science as I can go and read shit, this kind of stuff. But generally it's quite good. Um it's like five point seven or eight percent as well, so it's quite strong. So a few cans of that you'll be you'll be it's off. Black. Yeah, packaging looks cool. Um and uh you might want to keep your eyes on an upcoming issue of Metal Hammer for something kind of cool and related to Metallica beer that we might be doing um with the magazine. Oh, I can't wait to find out more. Uh, You already know, so that that was misleading. (laughs) Um, But yeah, genuinely is all right. Uh, I I think it's out in the US now, or they've at least done the proper launch kind of party for it in the US, and then I presume it'll be in the UK imminently. What are the 
alcohol products have you had? I was thinking about this. <laughs> Whatever. Well, no. <laughs> like banned ones. I'll be here a while because I'm a bloody lad. He has a drink. I so. just got some Ramstein rum. Which? Just? Well, yeah, like for Christmas. Really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that was a thing. It's a thing. But I don't understand why they didn't call it Rumstein. <laughs> like they just missed like a no way. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. Just rum. Rumstein. <laughs> I don't know. That Maybe kind of thinks it's too much of a mockery of it. Yeah, because it's meant to be more sophisticated. Exactly. I kind of feel like Maiden have, as so often is the case, have kind of laid down the gauntlet with this by actually not just doing it as a bit of a. You know, when they brought out Trooper beer, it's kind of like, ha ha ha. Eddie's on a beer. Yeah, but this it was actually great. a properly done thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it was really like pushed out to breweries and yeah. it's they've got like different variants of it now that you can get in pubs all over the UK. It's Robinson's, and isn't it, that did the trooper? Yeah, yeah, that's it, Robinson's Brewery. Um, from I'd love Stockport. to pretend I know more about them. I think it's from Stockport where I'm from. Oh, is that okay? Yeah. I was going to say, I'd love to pretend I'd heard of them before Maiden stand up, but again, don't know shit about beer, sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think bands have, have kind of come to recognise this, that this is a really good... Um, extra way to not just make revenue but ensure that they can have some kind of ongoing it sounds really wanky but business interests once you know they can't be out well, on the road all the time everyone wins don't they everyone they, wins they win from that point of view and then we get to drink nice things we do get to drink nice things I thought I thought Trooper Beer was alright as well and I really don't like a kind of ale like that that kind of stuff either I'm making an absolute mess of trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about beer, you're not I? a member of camera no pathetic I don't even know what that is I don't even know what that is for real ale oh, okay come on see what I mean I've got no idea oh god I don't even know what camera is anyway I give Metallica Entonite Pilsner a solid 8 out of 10 um, and yeah it's good so well done them well done lads <laughs> I wonder if they were involved in it or not because half make... of them don't drink anymore I don't think I don't know well Let's make a, a metal hammer beer. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah. Interesting. One to like just put in our little bag ideas pocket, I think. <laughs> um, so, more stuff is happening in the news. Yes, more stuff. It's not just alcohol, there's music happening as well. Dime Bash 2019. Say the sentence I wrote. No. <laughs> Why? I'm not saying it, it's stupid. Say it. No. Fuck's sake. Dime Bash 2019 is looking swole, ladies and gents. It's looking swole. Uh, this is, of course, sick. is the annual always star-studded um, kind of jamming session, kind of covers gig, uh, made up of loads of um, friends of and, and peers and uh, fans of Dimebag Daryl, um, who was, of course, brutally taken from us in 2004, and it's been going on for, I mean, years and years now. And yeah, this lineup's looking amazing this year. They've got Corey Taylor, Dave Grohl, Dave Lombardo, Nita Strauss, Scott Ian, and about 50 other big names that you can check out um, at melhammond.com now. It's in Cal- I don't think it's in Los Angeles, but it's in the California area. Mm-hmm. Nearby, I think. My geography's a bit shit. My geography's about as good as my beer knowledge. What's wrong with you? Just, I don't know anything, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if you happen to be local, lots of people listening to this podcast probably can't go, but if you want to get some serious FOMO, go on to melhammond.com and check out that <laughs> rad-as-shit lineup. Or in the name of Dimebag Daryl. I think it might be some money raised for charity for yeah, as well and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. And some more news. Den- <laughs> that sounds sad. It's good that there's news. <laughs> Dennis Stuff is back. Well. Obviously, he was the singer in Asking Alexandria when Danny quit. And then Dennis and Asking Alexandria parted ways in sort of mysterious circumstances. 
There were shots. It just disappeared. Fired. It felt like shots fired across gone. both lines. Um, and he's come back with a new band called Drag Me Out, and they've got a new single called I'm Sorry. You can see the video on metalhammer.com. What did you think of the video? I really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, it's pretty catchy. I listened to it and thought, mm, and then it was stuck in my head for a little bit afterwards. Yeah. It's not very metal, which if you probably take straight off the bat. If I was a teenage girl, I'd be listening to it over and over and over and over again and like printing out pictures of Dennis and being like, I love him. Would you have been listening to that when you were a teenager? Uh, well, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because I used to listen to boy bands when I was a teenager. A whole True. Up. You know, no one is born listening to Metallica. Unless literally, and if you are fair fucking yeah, play. Unless literally, <laughs> your parents are playing Metallica as you come out, which you know. <laughs> that would be amazing and yeah. possibly traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I did listen to boy bands, and it was the kind of thing where I definitely would have like fancied him because he's sort of the floppy head type frontman, and it's very catchy. So <laughs> I feel like you're just being very presumptuous about. Well, maybe I am. I just feel like as more of an adult, more of an adult. I'm not saying I'm an adult. Um, it's a little bit boy band for my taste, but like you said, it's very catchy. The video is a little bit cringy, I think, if I'm honest. There's a bit right at the start when yeah. he kind of does this, like, throwing the horns, but like in a kind of like, dude, kind he of way, and like sticks his, his tongue, tongue out. out. And he does some other dancing, and also there's mm. a bit where he's sort of sitting on a throne with a halo above him, and there are just two girls with bikinis and guns for no reason. It's a bit try hard, it's a bit like, I'm cool, look at me. Mm. But again, Maybe I've just become very cynical, and actually, when I was a Heaven teenager, I was pure of mind. I think uh, I don't think I'd have liked this that much as a teenager. <laughs> Did you like boy bands? Um, yeah. But you didn't fancy them though. But I think "Larger Than Life" by Backstreet Boys goes harder than this song does. Yeah, but fancying the boys in the boy bands was half of it. Well, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really empathise on that side of it. I'm just saying, that's kind of what it made me think of. But yeah, it's a catchy song, and I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up listening to it more than I'd like to admit. It would be L as fuck if you turn around in yes. two weeks' time and say, I'm obsessed with this song, and I exactly. said I hated it two weeks ago. Exactly, that could happen, I'm not ruling it out. What did you think of the album he did with uh, Ask Alexandria? There was the black, wasn't it? Oh yeah, again, I thought it was a bit cringe. Really? Um, yeah. More so not, than well, not they his, were anyway. Not his contributions specifically, but there was a lot of calling out Danny, and you know they said a lot in the press leading up to it that they were leaving the Danny thing behind, and they're a new band and they'll revitalise. And then quite a lot of the songs were sort of calling him out, and I was a bit like, oh, you could have just done an album that would have been, like you said, drawing a line under it and coming out quite strong and it's it's stronger not to mention it but mm. it kind of seems to be all over it so I don't I don't necessarily dislike Dennis's contributions I think it was fine but I just felt like the whole Danny thing was a big drama over the top of it yeah I mean it wouldn't be the first band to do their day no not at all it just came across as a bit lame I think it would have been stronger if they just come out and done their own thing but it, it just seems like some weird fever dream that whole period of Oscar yeah it's now. weird isn't it it's like this whole era of the band that's just been kind of swept back under the carpet like it never happened yeah no one talks about it and now Danny's back it's just like that's a thing now yeah and I thought, thought it was alright I, I kind of felt like um uh, I, it kind of felt like when Dennis came into Asking Alexandria it felt like they kind of lost that kind of rock and roll swagger that made them kind of sit above a lot of their peers at the time, like the hell on there from Death to Destiny. 
and then they kind of went what I felt like was even though the album was all right it felt like they went back a step and kind of became more just part of the pack and then obviously yeah. since Dennis has left the band and Danny's come back and that Asking album was kind of you know a proper like rock like stadium ambition rock record wasn't it really and now Dennis has come back and his kind of side of it is well I don't know just kind of high-end kind of slightly sceny rock I guess you'd call it yeah it kind of reminded me a bit of like Ronnie Radke in a way yeah exactly you know, that kind like, of vibe that kind of vibe with the music and the image as well a very much an image that is contrived and a little bit cringe but mm. you're not sure how much of it is knowing and how much of it is serious almost yeah interesting I don't well, know being too analytical I should just listen to the music well I think um, well that's our job isn't it <laughs> 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 that's right uh but I think the other thing about Dennis is that I think he, he is quite an underrated vocalist and um, I remember the first time I saw him live with Asking and like his when he wants to scream he can, he can tear the house down you know yeah. he's really got a pair of pipes on him so I'd hope to hear some of that on the album it's have... just one single and I don't think they've really released much info on the album as of yet so. he must have a hunger for it or he wouldn't keep up coming back and doing it well, yeah, yeah I mean, if you get plunked from nowhere to yeah. fronting asking Alexandria and suddenly being that, you yeah. know, and then you're suddenly gone again, I can imagine it must be a bit of a weird experience. Yeah. That's all, that is an interview I want to hear, and we should do. And <laughs> it's coming out on Sumerian, isn't it? Which actually seems a I perfect so. fit. So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, something weird, well, not weird, but quite um, interesting and impactful was uh, Jesse Leach's from Killswitch Engage has kind of done a big post saying he's taken a big um, break from social media and he's a, you know, a guy who's always been very upfront with his mental health issues which I think has been great and a very positive influence with the scene and stuff and uh, he's kind of an, he, he's always been very very um, prolific on social media like he's done he's always did very long posts and you always kind of he's one of those quote unquote rock stars that you always kind of felt like you had a real insight into his life because he'd do these big stories and he'd tell you what he's up to and blah, 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 blah. It's quite hard on his sleeve, isn't he? He's very hard on his sleeve, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and so he's he decided to take a, a social media break and he, um, he did a kind of long post um, about it where he basically said, I have begun to get the help I need and I'm grateful for the tribe of people that have begun to surround me. I'll keep this brief as I need to maintain my distance from social media to continue to rebuild and focus on my mind and body. So firstly, obviously, best of luck to Jesse because he's, you know, I think he's a great ambassador for not just metal, but for, you know, breaking the stigma around mental health in the scene as well. But um, I just, it's really interesting to see a, a metal um, frontman and quite a high profile personality in our scene kind of be one of the first people to kind of point out that social media is becoming quite a difficult yeah. thing for everyone to navigate I mean we've all seen it with our friends we've all seen various people take Facebook breaks Twitter breaks delete it from their phones come back a few months later say they're back again maybe go off again like we've all seen people do it because it is acknowledged that social media can be difficult when it comes to mental health it can invoke a lot of comparison people can spend a lot of time on there when they could be doing something else that's maybe more beneficial to their mental health that you know it's very it's a discussion that's out there at the moment in the wider in wider society it's widely being discussed in the media and between just individuals as well so mm. it's not really a shock to hear someone say it but like you said i can't think of anyone particularly in the metal world that has come out and, and said it i mean david draymond 
just came off completely. Yeah, that's true. He, um, yeah, he deleted his Twitter. He, and he didn't want anymore to be involved with it because it was a lot of drama and he was concentrating on his family. He's kind of the highest profile person I can think, but he didn't really do a kind of long explanation. It was more like, this isn't good for me. I'm focusing on my family. Mm. Bye. Can you think of anyone else who's... Oh, I'm sure there are. My mind's gone blank now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's people that kind of drifted in and out of social media. Um, but obviously if you are a musician rather than just a normal person like we are, there is this additional pressure because you've got additional eyes on you and they're not friends and family, they're people that you don't know. Mm. So I can only imagine that that does add this weight of expectation that people are expecting content from you, people are expecting you to behave a certain way, there's probably a lot more negative feedback as well as positive because people feel like they can say what they want to say because they don't know the person yeah, personally. Definitely. I'm sure there's a whole <laughs> other layer of things that come with it. I find it really interesting as well because um, Killswitch probably and, and Jesse aren't really the best example of this because they're, they've always come across like a bunch of very real genuine dudes and what you see is exactly what you get with Killswitch. But for, for metal... We, we've always been a scene and a genre and a, and a kind of lifestyle that prides ourselves on being, you know, edgy and subversive. And um, in, the, in the case of, you know, many of the most high profile bands that have come through our world, it's kind of mysterious and having that kind of mystique laying over them. And we're kind of seeing a lot of that eroded now. We've talked before about how Nurgle from Behemoth has kind of totally embraced this thing where he's yeah. he's i mean he's, he's managed to straddle it fairly well because he's basically managed to become this like kind of funny charismatic social media personality while also having this kind of fearsome stage presence where once he well, puts the makeup on it's a whole different thing i think he's very savvy he understands a lot about what people expect and a lot of what he does and what he says is based on crafting perception mm. so I think he's able to craft the image because he understands the game and he understands how to play it yeah. that doesn't mean he's not being himself on there but it's a version of himself that he's curated for a specific purpose Very, that's a really good point yeah. whereas maybe somebody like Jesse I have no idea at all is doing it more from a personal place, which mm. I imagine makes it more difficult because you you haven't got as much distance from it. Mm. It's, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because I think all of us, I mean, even working on a magazine like Metal Hammer, you're in the public eye to a certain extent, at least with you know people who follow your magazine and everything else. And there is this kind of weird pressure over people where you feel compelled to have to um, put something on Instagram regularly to kind of show people what you're up to or come swinging in with a big opinion on whatever the big issue is of the day. Um, you know, we've talked about it a lot because you kind of said like you want to be more social media well, and all that kind of stuff. it's more just that I can kind of take it or leave it. I'm sort of a lurker and I lurk and see what's going on and like <laughs> message people individually and kind of see what the news is. But I don't really feel compelled to post all my own stuff on there. Yeah, that, you're much are, less... Uh, you got a better filter than I have. <laughs> I, don't I, just, I don't feel a compulsion to particularly post on there. And there are aspects of my life that I like being just for me. So there's a couple of things there that mean that I'm not really a natural... It's not massively a natural fit for me. But obviously it's fun. It's, it's fun to post stuff on there as well. And it's fun interacting with people. But I kind of have to remind myself to do it. It's like, oh, I've actually not posted anything in five days. I should probably think of something to say. That's weird though, and then isn't I'm it? Like, because I'm like, what, you... what am I going to say? Like, what should I talk about? I yeah, guess, that's what I mean. Because sometimes you know, you'll, we'll be sat at the desk and you'll be like, oh, I haven't posted anything on Twitter for a few days. What should I post? And yeah, it's, like, like... it's just odd. It's odd that we're in a position where people feel like they should 
do that. I think it's because I know that it is useful to an extent to have a presence because if you Google someone or search for somebody in whatever capacity, whether it's <laughs> creepily someone you've met as a new friend or something along those lines or a date, or if it's something to do with your career, you know people are going to be looking you up. And if you don't have a footprint, that's weird. If you work in the media and you have no footprint, that's quite an odd thing. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, there is a sense of which there has to be something there or you're invisible. So I'm kind of aware of maintaining something to an extent. And like I said, it is fun, but it's not really, it doesn't come naturally as something that I naturally think about. I kind of have to go, oh, I should probably like post a picture now. Or a lot of the time it's because I'm busy doing something else. If I'm on holiday or I've got a day off or it's an evening, I'm much more likely to put something online because I'm probably just like chilling out and I'm like, oh, here's a fun thing, here's a conversation. Mm. Whereas if I'm in the middle of something, it doesn't really cross my mind. It's, I don't know, I mean, I guess I'm an elder millennial is the term. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? It is, there's a comedian. Lizzie Hale liked this comedian actually. I've completely forgotten her name, let me Google it. And she does a comedy sketch show. It's, well, she's done a couple of comedy sessions and they're on Netflix and she calls herself an elder millennial. And at the end of the day... She ran our kind of age. Yeah. I am an elder millennial. It's like, you know, I am on social media all the time, but it's also not like a natural thing for me particularly. Whereas, you know, if you're born 18 years ago or something, doing a selfie is just like, yeah, of course selfies exist. Or I'm of an age where I'm like, why are people taking pictures of their faces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) So now it's it's normal, but I'm of the old, slightly older. Yeah, she's called a... Isla Schlesinger. Right. Oh, Eliza. Eliza Schlesinger. But you wish you looked this up before the podcast started. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she does elder millennial. Um, so yeah, she kind of talks about stuff like this. But yeah, so it's a weird one. I'd say you're more inclined to just do it normally than I am. And I'm like, oh, I need to think about it. Yeah, it's definitely become a part of my routine now. And that's it, it and that's it's the weird. routine. It's... Yeah, it's not part of my routine. It's more just something that every now and then I'm like, oh, I should just put something up. Yeah, it, it's, it's just odd because you, you feel, uh, well, I think as journalists, you have a responsibility to help curate um, reaction and opinion to what's going on in metal, uh, absolutely, and that's something, you know, we're very proud to, to do. Totally, like in a job capacity, yeah, yes, totally. 100%, I'm always thinking about what we're doing at Hammer and like where things go, and but that's that's like a job, so it's yeah. a kind of different thing, isn't it? And it's weird, like we talked about with the Arch Enemy Photographer furor mm. um, obviously as people that work at magazines we have a lot of photographers we need to look after and, and watch out for and, and, make, and make sure they feel looked after um, so you kind of feel compelled that you, you would have a strong opinion about that but I remember it was over Christmas and I was you know tired out and I hadn't looked at Twitter for a few days and it felt good to not do that and then kind of just noticed there was just something going on with Archie and me and a photographer and it just and, it, and you know I suddenly felt like well I have to go on Twitter and and look into this and express an opinion on it because yeah. that's just what you have to do. Um, and I didn't really uh, in the end because by, by the time I kind of got my thoughts together on it, the whole shit show had already moved on so much that it just felt like it had just turned into a mess of opinions as we talked about a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's weird. And I don't think it's good that everyone feels like they have to have a say on something. And, and like we said before, you have to, whether it's you feel compelled to... Um, put yourself out there um you know like we said earlier jesse does i'm not saying he ever felt compelled to but he was definitely you know he, felt, he seemed to be very comfortable to share a lot of what was going on in his life and everything else um or you feel compelled to have to come and give an opinion on whatever the fuck happens to be going on that hour 
uh, everyone, it just seems to be this pressure on everyone to just give something of themselves to this nebulous space. Have you seen... It doesn't mean anything. Have you seen <laughs> you on Netflix? No, it's everyone keeps talking about it. Yeah, it's about a serial killer. I've seen the memes and stuff. But... It's about a serial killer who works in a bookshop and a girl comes in and he gets her name and then he basically ends up stalking her because he finds out everything about her from Instagram. And I've seen a lot of people online saying, oh, it's really made me think about how I use social media and people could find me and find out information about me. So Yeah, no shit. Exactly. So you do kind of think there's sort of a naivety, maybe, if you're not an elder millennial, about what can be found out about you. Well, but we, you know, we all do it. We all put stuff out there. And I kind of figure a lot of that information is around anyway. Well, yeah, because I remember another once... Concern, you know, about, you know, someone like Jesse being a strong presence is privacy in, in that respect, too. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I was going to say, I remember once uh, on uh, the Mount Harbour Facebook page, we posted something that the good people of the internet found... I don't know. They took coverage with it. I can't remember what the fuck it was. And I remember somebody, just a, a random person that is on our Facebook page, um, posted something like, oh, are you surprised that this is what Mel Hammer's covering? Here's their editor. And they got a photo of me, <laughs> which I think they must have trawled through my Instagram to find or something, of me in my dressing gown, just posting like a stupid face. Now, uh, and they posted it on this thread that was on, you know, we got like 2.5 2. million people on Facebook now or something. Yeah. Um, and, and he just posted it out there to all these people and and, my, and I saw it and my blood just ran cold a little bit because I just yeah. thought I obviously felt comfortable putting it on my Instagram because that's my thing for me and some of it's hammer related and some of it's me just being stupid and whatever but it did make me think fucking hell like it, someone can really just take something that in that context feels quite personal and just put it out in a space Absolutely, it was just all yeah. of a sudden my photo was on the Metal Hammer Facebook it was really weird yeah, because you so I banned never... them obviously because <laughs> <laughs> you would never put that picture on Metal Hammer's Facebook page no of course not because it's not work related but you know that was my naivety yeah. and it, I mean you know we live in a world where there are very unsavoury people putting mass pressure on people to shut down opinion and all the rest yeah, of it yeah. is you know it's a scary world out there. I know that's a bit of a tangent to what we're talking about with uh, with Jesse, but, but I just you know, think you can we're all, see, we're all you can learning, see, aren't we? You? Under all these pressures, yeah, you sort of you're under this pressure to give something of yourself. But if you give too much, there's always people that are going to turn around and be like, "Ha ha! Look yeah. what you put on there!" Or, or think you owe them something negative. Yeah, exactly. People may be feeling like they know you just because they've seen a picture, Absolutely. Um, which increases their sense of kind of bonding to you but it's false so, absolutely yeah interesting yeah interesting but yeah power to Jesse and um, he, he seems to have said that he's getting the help he needs so that's great to hear yeah uh, how we about we take some questions from the lovely people at Mount Hammer? I don't want to because I'm Where not, are they? What, what's the I'm address how you get for these questions no go on www.facebook.com slash metal hammer readers yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that easy is it it's not that easy. But I've not seen these questions and I can't think of it. Oh, bullshit. Text. I gave it to you in advance. Matt Heeks asks, <laughs> <laughs> if you could ask any musician one question and they had to tell the truth, who would it be and what would you I ask? I don't know. There's like a thousand a million of one musicians and I've a thousand written, questions. And this is, this, well, mine is, and this is serious, by the way. I'm not being flippant or stupid. I would ask Marilyn Manson if he's actually happy at the moment. That's really interesting. And that's not, I'm not, that's not me being funny. Like, are you happy? Like, I'd actually want I, to know. I can't think of a best one than that. That's genuinely, genuinely interesting. Put your phone away. I'm sorry. This is a court of journalism. <laughs> that's genuinely interesting because 
I was in the car with a friend over Christmas and I'd literally just got in the car and she likes to have quite intense conversations and she just <laughs> turned around and looked at me and she's like, are you happy? And I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's a deep question. Yeah, she hadn't specifically asked me because she thinks that I wasn't happy or, or whatever. She was just having a thought about her own life and what constitutes happiness. And I was suddenly just in the car just like, wow, where did that come from? I'll try my best to answer your question. Mm. But it's actually like a really good question because um, there's so much to dive into there. And I think for anybody, let alone a figure as powerful as Manson, that's mm. a super interesting question. Well, yeah, it's you just, just because... beat me in the court of journalism. <laughs> I can't think of anything to ask. No, it's just because um, Manson's just undergone such a fascinating journey. And uh, I think his persona kind of almost against all odds with how his live performances were a few years ago and the rest of it his his persona has really adapted well to the social media age like people still find him fascinating he's still really cool he still looks like a really buzzy name to drop into stuff um people still think he's, he's like sexy they think he's like badass like he's got this he's still got this really strong online cult following um uh, and he's still kind of a riot to interview and talk mm. to. Like he's always interesting. He's so quick and clever. He's always making funny jokes. He still he's loves an making artist, stupid puns. He, you know, and, that's the thing. But um, I, 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 I don't know. Don't know. Like I'd just be fascinated to know if he's genuinely happy with where he's at at the moment because oh, I just don't know. Even watching him live now, he's got a lot, lot better than where he was a few years back. But I'm still not convinced he's like all right. Do you know what I mean? It's well, not really my yeah. place to say that, but you, you know what I'm getting Well, at. you know, what constitutes happiness in the first place? What constitutes happiness for you? And how do you do that in a world that is, you've basically created that's not a quote-unquote normal world? Mm. might be normal for him, though. That might constitute happiness for him, but it's a very strange one, isn't it? Like, yeah. there's so many different things to think about. It's very, very I odd. guess something that I'm interested in, maybe you can think of a specific artist. I'm kind of just thinking out loud here, but... Sometimes you get artists who are sober and they have a lot of like crazy stories from their drug times. And I always, you know, they often kind of say, this is kind of the best way to be and I'm happiest like this. And obviously like more power to them. But I often think, what do people think about their past? Do they kind of look back on the drug stories and go like, I'm really embarrassed about that? Or they look back on them and go, I had a really good time. Because some people tell the stories all the time to kind of glorify them because it's interesting, mm-hmm. even if they're sober. Mm. Or is it a mixture of the two? And it must obviously depend from person to person. It's more complex and I've painted it there. But sometimes people's whole kind of personas and reputations have been built on these insane drink or drug binges and things they did. And then they become sober and it's like they wouldn't have got to that place without the stuff that they did even if they've renounced it do you know mm. what I'm getting at yeah 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 yeah, totally no I mean the fact that so many artists go through that uh, cycle of partying and going crazy and then they have the breakdown and addiction and then they come out the other side and yeah, they're teetotal it's like a rock and roll cliche isn't it yeah it really is I mean it was you know something I talked we talked about asking Alexandria earlier I talked to Ben Bruce about it um, for an interview that we ran um, quite recently actually um and we were talking about that, how it's, it seems so bizarre that we still have this weird uh, merry-go-round that bands and artists yeah. seem to be on, even though most people kind of, most people really look back at the kind of, the hedonism and excess of the 60s, 70s and 80s now as a bit like, you know, a lot of that wouldn't fly now. Um, 
but yeah, bands still seem to be getting put on that that weird thing. So yeah, I'm interested to hear that as well. This know. is a really long question. <laughs> I just realised it's coming up, so I should probably get into it. Ben Wilmot's basically asking if we could describe the process of interviewing an artist and the process leading up to it. Uh, whether there's a long email exchange with the PR manager who sends us a list of stuff we can and can't talk about. When we sit down with an artist, do we treat it like a political interview where we ask questions to push people out of their comfort zone, or is it more of a friendly chat? And do we ever leave an interview thinking, that was a load of media-trained bollocks, I got nothing worth publishing? It's quite, yeah, very long question. Yeah, here. interesting though. Um, well, firstly, I think that... Uh, unless you're going for the... Should we describe how we set up an interview? Yes, let's start with that. that. There's a lot. Okay. I'm just trying to think where to even start with that. But yeah, so let's go we with that. are generally in touch with the PRs for the artists. PR obviously means public relations, and they look after the publicity for specific artists. They often have a list of artists they look after, and we will contact them or they will contact us about an interview. So we might contact them if we've got a specific idea in mind. They might contact us if there's a tour or an album coming up and they're looking for some press. And then we set up a time to speak to the artist, whether in person or on the phone. And then we do the interview. There isn't a long list of stuff we can and can't talk about. I think that's sort of a misconception that things are a lot more driven by an agenda than they are. Mm. Okay, what would you say about that? Well, I think it, it depends on certain circumstances. Um, you know, for instance, uh, I know that all the members of Guns N' Roses will not talk about Guns N' Roses at the moment. Yeah. So, so if you get the chance to talk to Slash about his solo stuff, um, it's not a, it's not it's it's not like a PR will go. You cannot talk about this. It's they won't talk about this. So you can still ask, but they'll probably just not really give you a good answer on it. Well, they'll be really annoyed that you've asked. Yeah, because exactly. they Because they personally just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. But they don't, you know, we still will, will often go to answer that, ask those questions. Um, I mean, it just depends on what the interview is. If you're just doing a fun, daft, what we call like furniture pieces, like at the back of the magazine, we've got something called uh, Five Minutes Alone With, um, or we've got the Slay List where we get a band to pick a mixtape for us. That's just a bit of fun. Do we, we call them furniture pieces? Yeah. <laughs> what do you call them? Uh, regulars. Yeah, or regulars, that works too. I'm old school, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tall. Um... You just totally do I'm well. sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, so we do stuff. So you're so not you going to sit down with like Benji Webb. Favorite songs and things, and yeah. Yeah, you're not going to sit down with Benji Webb and be like, "So, what do you think about like the crisis in Syria? Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Or, or it, it, like we've got that's just a kind of piece of fluff. Um, a good piece of fluff, then. Yeah, of course. That's not an insult. It's a, like those are parts <laughs> of the things that make a magazine. You've got the kind of big meaty bits, and then you've got the fun bits that you just read when you've got like you know Benji's a lot five of, minutes a on lot the tube or whatever. But if there's something big to talk about, so the thing I always go back to is when we did our Architects cover last year and Elle's um, excellent piece with the guys about Tom and, and moving on, then yes, you do have to ask difficult questions and you have to you have to get in, you have to kind of work out the best way to strike a good um, rapport with, a, with an artist where you they feel comfortable answering the hard questions. Um, uh, and if it's somebody that's done something shitty and they're banged to rights and we, you know, we're looking to grill them about that, 
that you know we do that as well. Um, our two hundredth issue famously talked to Phil Anselmo for the first time in a long time in the wake of what happened with Dimebag and his comments about Dimebag in the lead up to uh, Dime's murder. Um, so we you know we've gone down that road as well. So it really just does depend. It's important to ask those questions as well because obviously we're doing these interviews for the people that buy the magazine, for you guys, and you feel shortchanged if there's something that's left out that we haven't asked. And I think also when you talk to people, depending again on the circumstances, they may be expecting you to ask about a certain thing or thinking that it's going to come up and you just have to ask those questions. Yeah, yeah, you do. And in terms of, do you ever leave an interview thinking, well, that was a load of media trained bollocks? Um, it's not really media trained because, like... I think in, in other industries, like in the film industry, there, there's a, a high, high level of media training That's for people, exactly what or I was like politicians. Thinking. But in metal, a lot of the bands we speak to will have done a lot of interviews, like the older ones. But there isn't really like a media training process. No. In place. Like there was that thing that went viral um, last year when Lady Gaga was doing press for um, what's the film she was in? Star is born. Star is born, yeah. Um, where someone had taken videos of her, of her across like ten different chat shows where she gave the exact same allegorical answer about what it was like. Yeah. Um, working that kind of film, and it was like word for word the exact same thing. Again, actually. You very rarely get that kind of someone so obviously got a kind of a particular angle or a carefully crafted answer they're looking to push but at the same time um if you're not a very good interviewer or you know you get an artist that's difficult and sticking to their guns you will often end up just getting the same stuff that everyone else has got so it's not really like media trained but you have to work quite hard to make sure you know if an artist has got a new album often they'll want to talk about the new album because that's their baby and that's the thing that's that's new for them um but for us a lot of the time sitting there and talking to you know a Dave Mustaine or a Matt Heafy or whoever just about why their new album is the best thing they've done since the last one you know it's the same thing they're going to be talking about to everyone so you have to work hard to kind of get around that but again it's not really like a media trained thing I wouldn't say I was actually just going to mention Marilyn Manson because he is so good at crafting his persona and he does sometimes just come out with the same lines he's got some one-liners or some answers and he will use them I remember interviewing him a couple of times that were fairly close to each other and um, also I'd read like a load of his recent interviews and there were definitely things that came up and I couldn't use those. I mean, I could have used them and people probably would have enjoyed it, but I felt like I couldn't put those quotes in because it was just too much repetition. Mm. So I think, you know, some people, like you said, if they've been talking to people a lot or someone like him who is very theatrical and artistic and kind of comes up with things and keep them as, keeps them in his mind. Yeah, totally. You know, you can, and then you can feel a little <clears throat> bit frustrated at the time. You're kind of thinking, how do I talk around this? How do we tease out something else? It's not the same thing. Definitely. I was just thinking as well, actually, when I went to, um, uh, I've done, we, we worked with WWE a few times over the years, and um, when I've gone to interview certain WWE uh, wrestlers, or as they call them, superstars, um, you can really see the difference between a kind of, some dude in a band who's just kind of got used to doing interviews and someone who is like so well disciplined and so well trained to answer questions in a certain way and they're not all like that over there but you can just really feel the difference between like media trained savvy there's a there's a manager standing by in case anything weird gets asked you know the difference <laughs> is really palpable i think 
It's actually, yeah, it's actually quite mm. nice to talk to people who haven't had formal media training in that sense. Definitely. And it's always good to ask people, bands about stuff they're not used to get. Like, again, going back to the thing about new albums and stuff, asking artists and personalities about stuff they're not getting used to, they're not used to talking about all the time. Because if you can find something to talk to them about that isn't the same as the last five interviews they've done, they're going to be more interested in talking to you and you'll get a better interview out of it. So there. That's a bit of journalism training there. Yeah, you're all now qualified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unlike me, a uh, couple of Phil and Samuel related questions now, um, speaking mm-hmm. of you know, interesting personalities. Uh, first off, Gareth Birmingham asks, what is everyone's thoughts, everyone in the room, what is everyone's oh, thoughts everyone on Phil Anselmo doing Pantera sets with uh, his band The Illegals? I think he's allowed to do what he wants to. Yeah, I still feel not particularly happy about the way that whole thing went down where he was on stage doing the Sea Kyle and the red wine and yeah. not particularly... Oh, was it? Yeah. That's the one. Red power is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but... Um, uh, yeah, I just feel a bit like about the whole thing because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's weird. I mean, I I, I I I still listen to Pantera and stuff sometimes, but it's hard. It is hard to not think about it when you're listening to it. Um, but at the same time, he is a massive part of Pantera, and as much as he was a big part of why it all went south with them, um, he was also a big part of why they were one of the greatest metal bands of all time. And like, I think it's a bit daft to suggest that. I'm not saying this is what Gareth is just suggesting, he's just asking our opinions, but I think it's a bit daft to suggest that Phil, An- Phil Anselmo shouldn't sing Pantera songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and on a similar note, Paddy Ransom asked, will we ever see Down again? I thought they were... Oh, because... Remind me what happened, because didn't they well, because sort of say after the controversy they were <coughs> taking a break? Yeah, because yeah. the last the last Phil Anselmo uh, lump of controversy was while Down were active. Yeah. Because they were booked for download at the time. That's it, the and they pulled, out of, they pulled out of a couple of festivals, and I think one festival sort of kicked them off, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so, so yeah, it was during down time, if you know what I mean, yeah. that, um, that that all happened. Um, I don't know, I mean, maybe, they'll, oh, it's, know, maybe yeah. they'll think enough time has passed that they want to bring it back. Who knows? Who knows where they're all up to with each other in terms of You just don't know, do you? I mean, no. again, I think down... Um, certainly not as impactful and important as Pantera were on the metal scene but that first album album is right up there they've got such amazing songs though again and it's just it's a shame when like one person does something because none of the other musicians were involved with it and then they have to kind of suffer the consequences it sucks it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know if we'll see Down again. I'd be surprised if we never see another like Down do anything again but um I think especially in the current climate for better or worse it's difficult to see a uh, an arena where I mean theoretically speaking not an actual arena where Phil Anselmo can kind of turn up again and everyone just like lets it slide but then again we're talking about the impact of social media what things what what for you would be acceptable for Phil Anselmo to just get on with it and we can all kind of accept him again is it possible I don't know I don't really know what the end game is for this kind of stuff now I mean more like I th- I think it was just he kind of botched the apology. Yeah, do you know totally. what I mean? He totally botched it. If he sort of came out and maybe did it again, or like demonstrated that it's just it's hard to sort of get your head around it when there were so many sort of layers to it. He kind of came yeah. out and 
was a bit defiant about it and then kind of apologised and then I don't know I don't know it's one of these no. things again I don't think anyone knows that's the problem isn't it and you don't want to be like you don't want to condemn people forever because that means you just put them in the bin and they can never be saved and you know yeah, you never exactly. give anyone a second chance that's literally why we have rehabilitation systems and prisons and things not that I'm suggesting anything you did was you know <laughs> criminal yeah, yeah, yeah but I don't know yeah when do you give people a second chance when do you, although you could argue that Bill had a second chance couldn't you because he's got previous with this nonsense yeah. but then I don't know fuck knows man I think I think at this stage you just need to let people make their everybody. own decisions <laughs> yeah if you want to listen to Pantera and Down and you can make peace with that I think that's okay if you decide that you don't want to ever listen to them again because you don't think um, you can justify it because of that kind of stuff I think that's okay as well um, I don't think there's a, a one or rule for this. No, um, I don't think so either. And you know, it's not like people haven't taken into account for this. So, yeah, this is a good question. I'm all about it. Can Hammer collaborate with Holy Roll Records for a fuck off amazing tour? Asks Matt Doxy. Yes, one hundred percent Holy Roll call. That would be good, wouldn't it? It would be good. One of the best labels in the world right now. Just a ridiculous hit rate. So yeah, maybe we should think about that. What do you reckon, ladies and gents? Metal Hammer and Holy Roll together that'd be pretty good. Um, Dr. Matt. <laughs> okay. I want to know what he's uh, a doctor of. <laughs> I think just on Twitter. Um, he might be a real doctor. He, well, he wants to know, uh, was the, Ch- this is interesting, was the Chester Bennington and Mark Morton collaboration really as good as everyone is crapping on about, in his words, or are they just thinking it's good because of the circumstance? I like it. I thought it was alright there. I think it's good. I thought the, said last week, I thought the last minute or so when it goes proper groovy was great. Um, I mean, I guess that one has been picked out. I oh know, I was going to say picked out of the album more than the other ones because it features Chester, but I don't. There's only been that one released, hasn't there, so far? Uh, I don't. Well, we, yeah, it's the only one that's been properly released, I think. But even yeah. so, it's always going to be. I don't know if it's officially the last thing Chester ever recorded, but it's gonna be either. it's gonna be one of. So yeah. it's always gonna get more attention, isn't it? Exactly. It just is. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. Yeah, some people are gonna. I think people will certainly be more excited about it than normal because of the circumstances. But I, from what I saw um, on our socials and stuff, from what our readers were saying, most people seem to be pleasantly surprised by it. I don't think people were coming in going, "It's the most amazing fucking thing ever." It was just. I think a lot of people maybe Lamb of God fans who weren't really that interested in a Linkin Park singer being on a Lamb of God styled song um, were quite seem to be quite into it yeah, which I is a good so. thing I think yeah. you know? I don't think anyone's going to deny for a second that Chester Bennington is an incredible was an incredible vocalist and um, Mark Moore is an incredible guitarist so it's all good I like it yeah I think it's I I'll, think it's decent I'll crap on about it some more <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Well, Conjurer, I presume the band. Little band called Conjurer. That's a question. Who are the next next download headliners? Oh, they're, they're hinting here. Everyone's talked about Bring Me Architects and Five Finger Death Punch, <coughs> but who do you see following them or having the potential to on a sensible timeline? Nothing like a sensible timeline. Fishing for backing, aren't they? Here, Conjurer. <laughs> Pathetic. No. Um, Stopping David Brent. Speaking speak of brilliant Hollywood bands. Uh, the next next download. Well, we haven't even had the next download yet because no one's I know, done it. Guess is talking about the new crop of bands, like the people that we champion now. So, like you said, the Holy War core bands, and any kind of upcomers that we think could have the main stage. Well, if um, I don't know, who, because I kind of feel like 
Bring Me were in the conversation a little bit before Architects just because Bring Me blew up so massively and, and kind of consistently. Um, and Five Finger Death Punch are kind of like the underdogs in the conversation. I don't think anyone's really like flying the flag for them to do it, but certainly in America at least, they're big enough and they, you know, they play Wembley Arena over here. So after that crop of bands, I mean, do Ghost count as the next band down? Because they're the obvious choice for me. I guess they count as the next band down in terms of when they got successful, yeah. but in terms of status now, I don't know if that counts as the next level or not. I don't know whether they're they mean kind of like the smaller up-and-coming bands. I just don't think you know. I mean, I would love to see a band like Code Orange do it because they've, they've got all this attention and Grammy nominations and the rest of it purely just by forging their own path. And if they can carry on doing that for the next few albums, I'd love to see a band like that in the conversation. But I think the honest answer is that you're talking about headliners that are going to be stepping up in about six or seven or eight years. And um, I don't think any of us are going to know exactly what the metal scene's going to look like then. So It'd be really cool if, like, you, do you remember when David Berry and Nine Inch Nails went on tour together? And um, it was like a co-headline tour. Because um, Nine Inch Nails and David Berry. David Bowie, sorry. Sorry, it's my funny Northern accent. No, no, not at all. I thought, I thought there was an R in there. I didn't know who you were talking about. And and yes, at totally. The, at the time... <coughs> Night Nails would have been the headliner and David Berry underneath because it was at a period where people weren't so into what it was doing and Trent Reznor was like that can't happen that's ridiculous so they co-headlined and did a bit of the set together it'd be cool if like someone like Code Orange got bigger and kind of reached that level where they could do a tour with a band like Night Nails who are colossal let's face it and kind of have that like <coughs> excuse me artistic collaboration type thing going on I'd mm. love to see something like that yeah, totally. But, you know, again, that's many years down the line. I think there's loads of cool ways to make it happen. I mean, this is a slightly different point, but <clears throat> I was raving about that Prodigy and Horror t-shirt that they yeah, put together. Yeah, I love that. Collaboration year. t-shirt. <clears throat> Why aren't more people great. doing collaboration t-shirts? Maybe we I could do one if one. we did a tour with Holy Raw Records. <laughs> How's that for an idea? So, yeah, uh, Conjurer, we would love to see you do it, obviously. Um, but I think it's a little way off to, to know, really. You just don't know. What about Hailstorm? Yeah, I haven't thought about them. Brixton Academy. You kind of see them as doing sort of the Sunday after Adelaide. I know the Sunday switched to the Friday this year, but you know what I mean? The yeah, yeah, cla- yeah. The classic rock. Modern so. classic rock, yeah. Greta Van Fleet as well, obviously a massive, massive deal now on the cover of our sister mag, Classic Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I think unquestionably the biggest quote, unquote, I've done that a lot today, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> classic rock bands to have come along in years. So... Um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do it on their trajectory but again we're very early on in the conversation for them but I think they'd be an obvious choice who knows it's all an adventure uh, <laughs> <laughs> this Saturday we're going to see Architects at Wembley fucking arena speaking of bands stepping up yeah, that's going to be special isn't it it's going to be awesome Architects supported by Beartooth and Polaris that's right isn't it mm, probably I think so if it's not, I'm going to look like a twat. Um, uh, but yeah, Architects at Wembley, that's going to be unbelievable. And we will be reviewing that next week on this very podcast. It's going to be great. Can't wait. You'll be there, won't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week for Metal Hammer Podcast 50, everybody. Where's our cake? Happy 50. Bring us cake. Bye. Cake, please. Bye. Bye.